Hello and welcome to the Game by Numbers podcast, episode three, and the football keeps continuing and so will this podcast. Thank you so much for your interaction on, on Twitter and we keep going. My name is Joe McGrath. Abdul Gallo. Marty Hill. And we are here for the next half an hour to an hour or so, depending on how good the chat gets, bringing you the five biggest questions from the top leagues in Europe. And it's been an interesting couple of weeks uh, getting your comments in. If you do fancy it, it's Games by Numbers PD on Twitter. Make sure you send any questions you want us to discuss on the podcast to that Twitter account and we will do it. Uh, like a little person called Statman Dave, who uh, sent in the first question. Uh, we will start over in Spain. Are we happy to start with Spain, everyone? Yeah, I'm happy yeah. to start with Spain. Yeah. Right, Statman Dave wants to go with this. Uh, let's start with the biggest game of the weekend. Statman Dave asks... What were your thoughts on the Madrid derby? Um, Who wants to go first? Quite disappointed, you know. Like, I don't know what you guys expected. Obviously, what was the build? What was what was what were people thinking going into it? I think the thing is the main point, sort of looking at this game, was you know Barcelona aren't having a great season. Messi's got injured again, and you're thinking, you know, who can nip in there and take La Liga this season from the early doors, sort of, you know, getting a head start. Uh, Madrid, of course, were top of the table going into it. Atletico looked good at times, but they were conceding silly goals, which is unlike them. Um, going into the game, you know, I thought Real Madrid, I don't know how they managed to stay top. Like, it shows how, sort of the levels it's dropped since losing mm. someone like Ronaldo and losing that figure at Real Madrid and the challenge in between Barcelona as well. Valverde's not done too great, but, you know, going into that game, I thought Atletico's system looked good over the last few weeks, even though they've conceded silly goals. Um, he sort of strayed away from that. It wasn't really that diamond. I felt like yeah. they sort of went with the old style Atletico, the flat four four Simeone. So, you know, I think it was a good result overall for both sides, considering you know they're still figuring out that system. Atletico Madrid were already top of the table, but you're still early doors to see who can step in ahead of Barca. Yeah, I think when the game finished, my overriding thought was I can't work out who's going to be happiest with that. Obviously, your title challengers, you were at home. You play in Real Madrid. If you're Atleti, you want to win that game at home. The emphasis is on you to go and get that game mm-hmm. won. But at the same time, Atleti are very much defence first. Zero goals for Real Madrid, zero big chances created. I think they'll take a big positive from that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's probably a better point overall for Real. But again, like Atletico, I feel like a sort of got a lot more to look forward to than Real Madrid. I think Real Madrid, yeah. like playing someone like Gareth Bale, if you think about it, Gareth Bale doesn't really want to be there. Madrid don't want him to be there sort of thing like Zidane he's clearly not his favourite player in the mm. side um, again Asensio's out for a long time I think it's only the, so the only way is up for Atletico Madrid sorry whereas like Real Madrid you know Hazard didn't perform well did he, he got yeah, subbed off for yeah, 76 yeah. minutes and I think if you can contrast that to Atleti as well you know they've still got Lorente really to come back in and yeah. establish himself as a starter Hector Herrera's not playing every game Jao Felix is only going to get better they're in very different situations as clubs and also Thomas Party is apparently now the best midfielder in the world. He was so good. He was incredible last mm. night. Like, in, absolutely incredible. I think um, I'm going to look forward to watching him throughout the season because the, la- the first couple of weeks, I don't think he found himself into the side, which was a bit I odd. think he was playing a little bit deeper in that diamond, wasn't he? And he was yeah. getting used to that system. Do you not think Atletico could have gone for it more? I mean, we look at the table now, they're a point behind Real Madrid. That momentum of beating your your arch rivals and then becoming you know top of that La Liga, surely it was an opportunity for them to... It's not just about that game for me. If they would have won that, it could have kept the momentum and the positivity of that result could have kept going for for months and months down the line until you know the, the next derby, you know, in the back end of 
in the first start of 2020. Is there not something about a missed opportunity there for Atletico? Or, yeah, you, you're just happy with the draw? I think it could be a, a missed opportunity. Like, to be honest, I do want Atletico to go on and win the league. Um, I love watching Simeone's sides. You know, they're not the most, like, sort of, you know, you won't mm. say it's like that beautiful Barca tiki-taka style or they don't really knock it around nicely. But, you know, when they hit teams on the counter, especially they've got Jao Felix now, who's enjoyable to watch. I think they'll t- they sort of take the positives is like Felix was getting in some dangerous positions yesterday. Yeah. He sort of played his natural second striker sort of role that he did at Benfica at times. He's just so quick in the final third. On the edge of the box, he's such a dangerous player. Um, You know, the, the likes of him and Deli Ali and Havertz, I love watching because of how quick they are at that age as well in the in that edge of the in that edge of the box going into the box and I think he showed that he took two decent shots outside the box but I think it's only positive for me um, overall for Atletico whereas Real Madrid having to put, sub off your replacement for Ronaldo long term Hazard mm-hmm. and then Bale not working out again it's I think it's it's more of a positive for Atletico the yeah. way that game went yeah I think just to touch on Jao Felix I think people like you look at his price tag and you expect a lot from him. And we've also got this culture now of expecting players to kind of win games by themselves at that age. To to look part of an Atleti team, to look like you're not out of place, to me is a really, really good sign for Jao Felix. He doesn't have to be winning the game for them. You know, he's not yeah. playing with his peers. He should be playing under-23 football, technically. I think you got it spot on there. I think there's just sort of this new thing in football where it's become a young, young man's sport, hasn't it? Like, I think the younger players are starting to come through and they're starting to be the high... I think teams are... Instead of going, for example, when Real Madrid paid that money for Cristiano Ronaldo at the time for you know when he was at United, I think that money now is being spent on the likes of Felix and Mbappe. I think they're getting mm-hmm. them in early. Um, I think the pressure in football and the the sort of what we're producing right now in Europe is a lot higher level than it was ten years ago, and the expectations of and, and the price tag is understandable. But you know you've got to understand just Felix, like I said, having a big part in that game and arguably being their best attacking player is enough for me, you know, to show that he's ready to step up. Yeah, so that was the Spanish uh, La Liga. Uh, we're going to move to uh, to England now, the Premier League. Uh, we're recording this before United and Arsenal, which will be the final game of that uh, of the weekend. But we will look to Manchester City now, and this is another question from Statman Dave. Uh, given that Fernandinho looked uncertain at uh, the centre-back position when he played Everton, uh, do you think Man City should look to buy another centre-back? And if so, who would you think would be the perfect fit for Pep Guardiola team playing in that role? Um, uh, You know, we were speaking over this, actually, um, in terms of, like, you. I think you wanted to go... Uh, I'm not sure you end up picking, but, you know, I, I'm going to go with Ake from Bournemouth. We yeah. had a bit of a convo with it in regards to that um, yesterday. But I don't know with City. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a weird one. Like you know, Kanate came up in our conversation that we're having as well. Who's done brilliantly at Leipzig? Surprisingly, didn't play in that last game. And then Auburn makes a mistake for them. Um, you know, they go on and concede three against Schalke, and he's out of the team. I think he's with that game that we watched against Bayern when we were over in Germany. He was incredible, dominated yeah, Lewandowski at so times, good. like he did last season. I mean, Lewandowski scored, but in the air, you know, going behind the keeper, making these crazy clearances, like. So I think he's a complete defense. Just to touch on his aerial ability, that would be my worry with Nathan Ake. Yeah. Be. So I think we both agreed that City should buy someone, right? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Like we had we had this combo obviously like oh, last weekend actually, and we thought it would be a good combo to have um, sort of in the podcast because we'd expect more people to be speaking about, it, wouldn't we? And it's not really yeah, come yeah. up that City do need a centre back. Yeah. And Stones has made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. You know, I think he's a, he's a decent ball playing centre half, but is he, for example, better than Lindelof on the ball? I don't think he drastically is better than Lindelof. I think a lot of the time when he steps out with the ball, 
it's almost loose on his feet. I don't feel there's yeah. a, a shard on the ball. And then we look at Kanate from Leipzig, you know, someone who's, you know, assertive on the ball, who's a dominant presence around the box. I think he's brilliant to have. Uh, McAuley's the other one that I actually mentioned yesterday completely thought, you know, he was incredible in that buying game, playing at right back. I think he's slotted nicely in that defence, yeah. but... I think Ake, we, we, again, he's in the mix. Who, who would for, you prefer to go for? I'd worry about, I'd think you could get at City in the air if they're two centre-backs that start every game at Laporte and Ake. So I'd, I'd go with Ibrahim Kanyate. <laughs> and also because, like you said, they play to a back four, uh, RB Leipzig did the other day. They can't find a place for him to start. So it's Upamakano or Kanyate and then Orban. Because Orban made that mistake, but he's the club captain. He's not going to get dropped. Yeah. So they've almost got to sell one of those guys. That's true. That's a good point. And then you got like, then, you know, Mikaleli's in the mix as well. Yeah. So they'd almost say, you know, it's all right. We'll let him go and Mikaleli can play right back or centre-back. For me, I'm probably going to go, it's a bit of a weird one. I think you can get, you know, I sort of changed my mind just watching that Everton game. You know, we see the amount of times uh, Mina had a chance at goal. He had like three or four shots. It reminded me of Rojo midweek, <laughs> like in the League Cup, which was mental. Like the amount of opportunities he had in the box and Edison made a couple of brilliant saves to yeah. be fair to him. Um, it was quite embarrassing from City's side like to allow him in that sort of area of the pitch that's so dangerous and the centre-back to come in and, and you not being able to deal with it. At one point, Zinchenko was, I think, uh, marking uh, Mina, which is just... You don't want to be seeing that from a City fan's perspective. But that that's what sort of gets me with Nathan Ake. I think he's brilliant on the ball. I think, he, again, I mean, there's the whole thing about Premier League experience, which I don't particularly like using because I think he can get quality players at that level outside the Premier League and can still perform. But I think genuinely like him being in a Premier League, coming through at Chelsea, you know, you know, scoring big goals against Liverpool and playing in big games, you know, remember him in that Liverpool game scoring, I think, one or two and, and he was in that four I think it was the four four where they pulled it back against him a couple of seasons ago. That's when I was like, Wow, what a player but he I is. I think that's the thing with Man City is it's easy to think like, who can you get in now? But really they need a starting centre back long term anyway. Yeah. You know, Laporte's in there as the starting centre back. Who plays alongside him? Say so you're playing Stones, you're playing Otamendi, you're playing Fernandinho at position. So you are looking for essentially Man You need someone in that sweet spot, don't you? Like that sort of where they got Laporte, you know, at that yeah. age where they can rely on him for four to five years and potentially even longer. And then you need someone who's got the quality now. And I think that's why I can I, you know, I sort of edge towards him, but to say something different, I think, you know, Ake Makaleli as well would be great options. Um, you know, one of the games I was watching Makaleli this season, one five. I think out of six tackles, playing as centre-back, which is impressive because, you know, when we talk about tackles a lot of the time, you know, you look at uh, Van Dijk, I'm pretty sure it was only 38 tackles he'd made. Obviously, he's not Yeah, he averaged months. less than one a game, I think. Didn't so, he, like, season. it was something like that. And, and what people don't understand when you're the pure centre-back is you've not always got to make that tackle because you've got the DMs and right-backs. And it's understandable when it looks like five out of six people thinking, oh, he's out of position, all of that. But when I watched him in that game, you know, yeah, yeah. I've watched every Leipzig game now this season, went back to watch a couple that I missed and... He's really impressed me at every opportunity. Like whether he's playing as a centre back or right back, and he's brilliant on the ball. Still so young as well. Yeah, like that that back line at Leipzig's a joke. Considering like if you look at them, you think that's a mature 25, 26 year old, you know, back line. But they're all playing for like under 21s at France. Yeah. So it's ridiculous, isn't it? We're going to carry on with the uh, the old transfer. Um, who should be brought into certain clubs? Uh, Kieran Thakar, who has tweeted us uh, at. Games by Numbers PD on Twitter. If you've got questions you want us to answer, let us know. Uh, get them in, and we can uh, we can do some uh, research. I mean, Abdul watching games back again, just uh, watching games again, like a like a mint film. Uh, right, since Matic is past it, which defensive midfielder should Manchester United go and try and sign 
in the January or even in the summer transfer windows just to bring more stability into their midfield. Abdul, you went first last time, so maybe Marty, what are you thinking? It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it depends where you stand on McTominay. Is McTominay going to be that kind of deep-layer defensive midfielder? Mm. Are we going to switch to a 4-3-3? Do you need someone a bit more dynamic? For me, as soon as I hear we need to replace Matic, I think Wolf and Didi. But then the Maguire deal makes that so, so difficult. Um, so yeah, it's that question. Do you want another defensive midfielder? That's If you think about it long-term, if we're playing 4-2-3-1, we have Ndidi and McTominay. Yeah. That's quite a regressive team. So are we going to move to a 4-3-3? Maybe someone like Ibrahim or Sangare? Mm. For me, that would be the kind of player we should be looking at. Almost like a Drissagay off the ball and then a lot more progressive on the ball. I think he's still only 20. He'd be able to get him relatively cheap. Um, but it just is it's a difficult question to answer when we don't know if we're playing 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3. It is, and I think it also as well with the t- t- the the owners and the people running the club at the minute, if Oli goes to them and says, I need another midfielder, they might go, well, just use McTominay. You, yeah. you know, you're not going to have funds for that. Because that's the, at the minute, they're just tight. I mean, getting rid of a lot of the tacky players, not bringing anyone in. Midfielders, if Oli goes, I need another midfielder. They might just point at McTominay and go, we'll use him and spend the money elsewhere. It's, it is a difficult question, but we're just having the joy of maybe saying we're in charge of Manchester United on Football Manager and we get to, to decide who's uh, who's going to replace Matic. Have you got a name, Abdul? Um, we actually spoke about this this guy last week, um, <coughs> Hassan Mawar, and he's not actually a DM. Um, you, you won't really yeah. call him a DM. He's more of a, you know, someone who might be able to play in a free... Um, sort of maybe Andy Herrera's role that he played for us but a bit more progressive but I just think solely down to the fact that you know you look at him last season won 2.4 tackles per game um, in the Liga so that's impressive and it sh- he shows that by in midfield that I think you need in the Premier League um, and that's why I thought actually he might be the next big transfer coming out of the Liga I think he's really well rounded his game's brilliant um, you know progressing the ball he's already involved in three goals in the league this season considering Leon haven't been so great we're going to get onto them later in terms of how we think they should be chasing Paris down. But I think it's a good time to get him in because I don't think Leon are progressing as a club. I think there's times where they should be, you know, doing better against the rest of the league instead of just turning up against the top five and whatever in the, in the league. Uh, but I think it's a good time for him to, to leave and maybe test himself in the Premier League. And I think he fits, if you, if you play pivot of McTominay in a while, I think that's a brilliant balance yeah. where you've got progressors, you've got someone who's got that bite about him. Then McTominay can almost rest, which Fred can potentially do. Mm. But yeah. we don't really know if he's favoured at United and he needs to have a game. I think he just needs to have a run of games with Fred. I think for me, a guy we've already mentioned today as well, Thomas Party would be the absolute dream guy. Oh yeah, he'd to come be in. dream. 49 forward passes against Real Madrid. Oh. That's ridiculous. That's impressive. Like considering what he does defensively and ahead yeah. of your defence. Three like, out of three tackles as well. He's phenomenal. And over the summer, how many times were we banging on about like, when are we going to make a bit? really close something sense. like 50 million euros. It's a yeah. really reasonable mm. price. It was, yeah. I think it was like 40, uh, it was 40, 50, a couple of quotes I've heard into, in terms of release clause. And it seemed like into Milan bound, which, was bit, which would have been nice to watch on the Kante. Yeah. But Definitely. I think maybe Simeone might have given him certain promises and that's why he ended up staying and no one triggered the release clause. Maybe certain teams like United or Inter Milan did approach him and it never happened. Um, but, you know, Thomas Partey would be like the ultimate dream because you'd be like your two-way midfielder, sort of McTominay, Party. That would work. You'd love Fred to be that guy. Um, but again, like the reason I did like to see OR in there um, was just, again, someone who can give you that extra bit going forward. Yeah, and then can even settle into like a midfield three. We've seen him do that for Leon. We've seen him play alongside the Indombele brilliantly. You know, we've seen him drop deeper. 
Um, and I think it's, it's time for him to make the next step. I'd like to see what he does as well. Um, but what was it Sangara that impresses you the most? Because I've not really watched anything out of him. His numbers when he he's, so he's just so dynamic. Like he'll like average like three tackles, three dribbles per game. To get that mix is so so rare. You know, Adrissa Gay averages about four tackles per game. That's pretty much all he does, and that's fine. That makes him, you know, a borderline world class midfielder. And everything else is a bonus, like yeah, we've seen. So this to season. have that going forward as well, and to be such young, he's as like a simple reference point, and Dombele is the guy that comes to mind. He's sort of that pressing on the halfway line, carrying the ball in the final third. He's relatively creative as well. He's a really, really good young player. Yeah, I won't be surprised if someone's in for him, um, you know, from the top teams in Europe, to be honest. We'll sit back and we'll wait. All we can do now is maybe just see what January comes. Will United and City spend or will it be the summer where transfers that we just spoke about will happen? Uh, to Germany now and uh, Coutinho. That is the man who's still in the headlines over in the Bundesliga. And we're going to have a chat with it about him now uh, and about basically your opinion on him and what you have seen from watching his games. It, the question is, is he good again? Now, is that is that the question? Was he ever bad, or was he just running a bit of poor form? What what is Philip Coutinho? What 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 do you make of uh, his season so far, Abdul? Um, I watched some parts of his last two games, and he just looks like he's freed from Valverde shackles. I'd like to say, like <laughs> everyone knows my stance on Valverde, and what kills me about this sort of unfortunate, like the fact that he should be in that midfield three for Barcelona. Him, Arthur de Jong, yeah. Busquets oh, getting so his out of the team. How how good with that team? That would have been like your Xavi and Yester Busquets, like that right there, ready made. And and unfortunately, he's he's had to move. Um, you know, when we watched him for the World Cup last season for Brazil, he was like the perfect like, left-sided sort of midfielder. We've seen Pogba play that role where he can get into those positions and we've seen Coutinho and when they're in full flow there's not there's not anything better to watch in terms of an attacking midfielder you know arguably you know De Bruyne you know in terms of on the eye he doesn't look the greatest but he's just so productive but on the eye Pogba and Coutinho I think he's done that he played central now last two games Mm. um, for Bayern got a brilliant assist to Canabri that was phenomenal that pass and Play him central. Yeah, he now That's has it. as many assists this season as he did last season. We've That's played mad. six games. It's almost like you need to play <laughs> him closer mad. to the goal, closer to yeah. your also, you know, Joshua, Joshua Kimmich as well, I think, has been really important. Oh, he is Kimmich that perfect brilliant. water carry. He is literally a defender. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think yeah, Coutinho, again, when we've seen him play central and ahead of, you know, Kimmich and sort of Thiago, who are brilliant to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, especially Kimmich, I think he's going to be one of the best players. You know, in terms of that area of the pitch, whether he's at right back, you know, or think only Alexander Trent, Arlen sort of you know challenges in there. So I'm I'm not too sure um, in terms of where you play him though. Central, he looked quite good the other day when we were watching him against Leipzig. So yeah. I wonder, I wonder where 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 his best position. He's going to have to settle down, but I think he'll be considered one of the best right backs or central midfielders wherever he settles down on the pitch. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing for me with Coutinho is he just looked comfortable. At Barcelona so often he looked like he was trying to prove a point and he'd have 15 minutes to prove that point in a game where Barcelona already had the game won. Oh, he'd be playing like on the left wing, which is so far yeah. from goal. Like, I watched me- him at the new Camp last season and I mean, he scores in that game against us, but yeah. he's just so far on the touchline. It's just not his that, game. That was the interesting thing for me about where he plays for Bayern is he can go over to the left if he wants to keep the ball. He can go over to the left, play combinations with the left back, keep the ball and then he comes inside and then he can shoot and he can create. And it's like, he knows that he can go into the left and keep the ball and keep things ticking and he can come inside and kind of cause damage and he's not constantly kind of got that thing on his shoulder of is he good enough, is he not? He's enjoying himself. Yeah, he, uh, yesterday he completed, you know, joint most attacking third passes as well, yeah. which is again 20 out of 28 and I think 
at Bar- at Barca, he might have been sort of racking up those numbers, but how effective was that? Because a lot of yeah. times I look at his stats at Barca, I'm like, he's doing the right things in the final third, mm-hmm. but when he's doing it centrally, he's getting he's closer to the finishers, the likes of Gnabry, yeah. Lewandowski, where he should have been with Messi and Suarez. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's enjoyable. See, that buying side has got, you know, whilst I don't really particularly rate Kovac, you know, it's an enjoyable side to watch now. I think you've got yeah. Gnabry, like we were speaking about Kimmich and Thiago and high, highly <coughs> yeah, re- I think, rate them. I think Zula as well is really mm. underrated. I yeah. think he's one of the best centre-backs in the world now. I think, just to touch on Coutinho one last time, the interesting start from the game on the weekend directly contributed to seven shots. So he took five of those shots and assisted another two. That's a Brilliant. huge output. That's so efficient. I can only just keep on watching Coutinho. We'll obviously touch upon him. Uh, every single week, we touch upon the five biggest talking points. If Coutinho, Coutinho steals the headlines, Coutinho will be talked about in this podcast. And a man who will be talked about quite a lot, Cristiano Ronaldo in Italy. We'll go over to Italy. And Dybala, uh, maybe their partnership could be some of the best in Europe. We're going to have a chat now about Sarri and has he found his best attack with the team that he's got? Cristiano Ronaldo, Dybala and Ramsey just behind. Is that the best attack in Italy? Or is it the best attack in Europe? What, what are we making of it, Mai? I mean, it's definitely the best attack available to Maurizio Sarri. It's mental that he's not played that yet. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if Ramsey's fitness came into that maybe to an extent, but he's, he's still yeah. not played Dybala and Ronaldo until now. And you were saying this earlier, like that was the obvious partnership for him to play. And I think having Dybala as kind of, you know, obviously it's a lot more complex than this, but if you think of Dybala as the creator and the dribbler, Ronaldo yeah. as the goal scorer, and Ramsey's that guy that comes in and exploits the space, that works so, so well. And they looked so good on the weekend together, and they had midfielders as their fullbacks. Yeah, you had, I think if they have yeah. that supply line, they'll look so good. Like you had Matuidi, who's not a Sandro. Again, he's not He's not going to step in there and yeah. make that odd run. I mean, Sandro's been a bit more of a defensive player, been arguably Juve's best player, actually, this season, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> Quadrado can sort of fill in there, but you'd think if once you have those proper fullbacks in, like how much you know are they going to produce for Laxi, Dybala and Ronaldo? The best example for what they could do is their yesterday's game against Spal, you know. Um, you know, if you go watch it back, obviously it'll be the weekend for you guys to go watch it back, mm. but try and go watch that game back because there was a ball from Ronaldo, brilliant ball into Ramsey, which Spal's keeper made a, one of the best saves I've ever seen. Like he left mm. his like foot out there when it was going the other end and would have been a great goal to watch. Ramsey attacking that part of the box where, you know, we're looking at Napoli's uh, Sarri at Napoli and sort of Hamstrick playing that role. I think Ramsey can take that sort of, you know, storming into the box, making those last uh, you know, second runs and confusing the defenders and splitting sort of his attackers as well. So I think having that hard working player just behind the ball and Ronaldo is exactly what you need. The has got that work rate about him. And Ronaldo and Dybala were just switching the ball across across goal, creating for each other. It was enjoyable to watch. Um, you know, and Pjanic as well. He's obviously the topic is about the front three, but Pjanic, that volley yesterday was absolutely incredible. So that we've watched two absolute bangers now in the last two UV games. Yeah. Um, but you know that that Pjanic goal was brilliant, and he had the most uh, passes completed, most attacking third passes completed as well, second most chances created with three on the pitch yesterday. So I think Pjanic is one of them really underrated players, and we sort of talk about the Regista role, and if Sarri finds him as a Regista, he has got the ability because there was just before I think the goal that Ronaldo scores where Dybala switches it over to him, and then and you know on the back post, Pjanic get, receives the ball and first time side foots it down the line right in front of Dybala and he's just a brilliant player to watch. Right, our final topic, we're going to go to France and we're going to have a chat about Lyon. Not the best time for them. They are winless in their last seven games in all competitions. Do we know why? Have we put a a finger on it, Abdul? 
Um, I think I'll leave this one with uh, Marty. He actually, you know, um, we, we're having a convo over it. He actually, you know, but the concern, the way I look at it, like I said at the earlier um, sort of um, part of the podcast, we were saying when every time I think they've got an opportunity to step up and pressure Paris in the league, they never seem to. And every time I watch them play against those lower sides in the table and I look at the scores whether I've watched the game or not, I'm like, you should be winning this game. Uh, but I've never sort of, you know, I've never not really looked deep into it enough. Um, you can take it away. Yeah, that was f- I mean, Silvino's Leon at the minute are a little bit of a disaster, to be honest. So in the last game, only Thiago Mendes of the midfield completed a tackle. So he attempted three, completed three. If you look at the other guys, OR, zero out of three. Rian Adelaide, zero out of one. So you can get past that midfield so, so easily. They're playing a 4 3 They're sticking with a 4 3 And the, forward, the uh, fullbacks, sorry, aren't getting forward. And that's like... Tactics 101, like you play a 4 3 3, where does the whip come from? Your yeah. fullbacks. Mm. And it's just a little bit of a disaster. I can't work out why he's being so stubborn. So, Marcel and Du Bois averaging 2.7 key passes per game combined. They're in the positions where they've got to be the creators. And obviously, with Leon, the other guy who's the big creator, Fakir, moved on. And yeah. Domble moved on. Memphis keeps he keeps playing Memphis on the wing, which I just do not understand. He's, he's been involved in five goals this season, Memphis, you know, four goals and assists. But again, you still think if you lose Fakir, because Fakir gave you that thing where, like, and that's why he was linked to Liverpool, where he'd come into midfield as well. He's got that yeah. in him. He can play even almost as a striker, but he can come into midfield. He can get himself about and create from deep. And Dombele, he's so well rounded again. And you're just almost like you're asking like Awar to be the pure DM sometimes yeah. at time in this new system, which is. You know, when I look at it on paper, I've not re- I've not really watched more than a game and a half of Leon. I watched them against Paris and half a game earlier in the season, but they just look like a completely different side. And Fakir and and, and Dombele are big losses to them. Yeah, absolutely. I just think I've seen Memphis say that he wants to be a centre forward so many times. Yeah. And then it's almost like it's one thing saying that, but then he goes and does it with the Netherlands. Mm. And it's like if you're not if the system's not working, if you're not creating for your fullbacks, at least play your best player in his best position. I mean, he's scoring coming from wider positions. But, you know, you'd almost but be he, tempted he, to just play him there. because Yeah, need well, the he should be that creative hub of the team. Yeah. Like, he is contributing to goals, but for me, they should be playing through him. Now they've lost for care, they've lost in Dumbley. They have to get the best out of him before he I think he, he needs the other goes. players around him. And that's what that's what they've sort of lost with that, is that... I think Furlong Mendy as well, obviously, big loss. Oh, yeah, we've not even mentioned him again. Like, you know, you're losing a fullback to Real Madrid. I mean, the sides you look at where they've gone to shows the quality of these players as well. Yeah. Awar being linked to a couple of top sides and I think if they lose Awar they're in serious trouble because again like you were speaking about Memphis there and, and I think you need something around him he can give you a bit of that creativity a bit of the goals almost what he does for the Netherlands I think the best Memphis you watch is for the Netherlands whether yeah. he plays that wide whether he plays central he does a bit of everything but there's always quality around him whereas this Leon side seriously lacks quality they are they are in the Champions League aren't they this yeah, season yeah. so you know I can't really see them going it's, further it's like he's he's obsessed he's obsessed with having dribblers everywhere people that can carry the ball which I understand I relate to that I love watching people carry the ball from midfield yeah. but you've got Awar and you've got Rian Adelaide and all they want to do is carry the ball forward and obviously you're going to get exposed playing those two guys together so I think Silvino is very lucky that he's fallen on a very very talented crop of players yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't last the season well 
That was podcast episode number three. Uh, we want to thank everyone for, for listening. Uh, if you got this far, make sure you always listen to us. Uh, we're going to release these weekly on the Mondays uh, and Tuesdays, depending on when fixtures might fit into it. But you can always find us, Games by Numbers PD, on um, Twitter. Make sure if you've got any questions you want to be uh, talking about, just make sure you tweet them in and we'll add them to our list. And you could be having a chat with uh, Abdul and Mike, getting their expertise on whatever subject you want to chat about. Uh, right, thank you very much, Abdul and Mike. Marty. Cheers. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, Share the podcast if you can on your Twitter as well. Thank you very much and goodbye.